So last week we began our series on the Holy Spirit. and In this series we are pursuing a, a hopefully a full and, and scripturally accurate understanding of the Holy Spirit. We're looking at who or, or what is the Holy Spirit. What is the role of the Holy Spirit in the, the church or the body of Christ and how and in what ways does the Holy Spirit interact with us or within us and in our lives? And how does this work? How does this relate in how we live out our everyday lives? So last Sunday we looked at the, the Holy Spirit uh, in the Old Testament. We saw that from the very beginning of creation, Genesis 1, chapter 2, that it was the Spirit of God, it was God's Holy Spirit that, that was hovering, that was working, that was forming and bringing order to creation. Chapter 2, verse 7, we saw that it was the Holy Spirit, or as we saw that word also means like a breath or moving wind. It was the very breath of God, the Spirit of God that was blown into Adam to bring him to a physical and spiritual being. In Psalm 104, 29-30, we saw that the spirit and the breath of God that not only created life, but that he sustains it. That he brings renewal and newness to those in right relationship with him. That the dead can be raised again. That the spiritually dead can be revived by his spirit. And we not only see the Holy Spirit described with the imagery of the, the breath of God, but also as the outstretched arm, the hand, or the, the finger of God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God being an extension of, of God's presence, working and enacting the will of God, touching, influencing, interacting and working within and upon us, within humanity and all of God's creation. It was God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gave visions and dreams and spoke His words through His prophets. It was the Holy Spirit who gave strength and victory to the people of Israel against insurmountable odds. It was the Holy Spirit who brought healing to God's people. It was the Holy Spirit that through all these different workings recorded in the Old Testament that the coming of Jesus the Christ was foreshadowed and foretold. And we see this in 1 Peter. We ended last week with this verse. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 10 through 12, in this passage, starting verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, us. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. That the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was, even in the Old Testament, working through them for not only their benefit, but for our benefit as well. Paving the way and declaring the coming of salvation for humanity. This brings us into the New Testament. 
We see in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 25, that an angel in the story tells a priest named Zechariah that he and his elderly life will, wife will have a son who will be full of the Holy Spirit from birth. This child is John the Baptist, we know of, who will prophesy and, and pave the way for the coming of the Messiah. He would announce and declare this. Mark chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. And this was his message. This was the message of John the Baptist. After me comes one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In the foretelling of, of Christ's birth to Mary, angel appears to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 35. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. So just as the Spirit of God hovered or swept over the surface of the waters of the beginnings of creation, depending on which translation, the Holy Spirit would overshadow and would hover and would come upon Mary and, and form the Holy and Anointed One, the Christ, within her. The fullest expression of God's love and desire to save, restore, and enable mankind to once again dwell with Him in His presence would be demonstrated through the workings of God's Holy Spirit in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the very Son of God. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, while prophesying that Jesus is not only coming, but that there will be a baptism of the Holy Spirit that will come from Jesus himself. John the Baptist, one thing that made him very unique, he was full of the Holy Spirit upon birth. So we saw in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon and, and lead people as, as God needed. There was something new taking place here. And then John says, there's something even greater than what has taken place in me about to take place. Jesus promises this permanent giving of the Holy Spirit himself in John chapter 14. Verse 15 through 21. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, 
and I too will love them and show myself to them. Something different is taking place where the whole testament, the Holy Spirit would, would come upon and, and, and depart upon people as God chose and enabled Christ to his followers, to his disciples. He is promising the Holy Spirit, his very presence, the presence of Christ, the Spirit of God will not only be permanently available to those in Christ, but that the Holy Spirit will actually dwell within us. When we choose to follow Christ, when we accept his payment and forgiveness for our sins on the cross, when we choose to submit our lives fully to God, that we might be transformed into something beautiful and something full of purpose, something eternally living in his very presence. When we do this, we receive the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, God's Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that dwelled within Christ, Christ then returned, poured out and pours into us, inhabits our very being. Those of us who have experienced it, we know this is true. We know the Holy Spirit was with us. We know there's a transformation that takes place. We know something deep and supernatural takes place within our hearts and minds within the innermost parts of our being. And so if we know that Christ poured out His, He's given us His Spirit, if we know that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, we are marked as His, the very Spirit of God that enacted these miracles throughout the Old Testament, that, that empowered John the Baptist, that came upon Christ, if we are promised this very same spirit as believers, why do we sometimes feel so far from God? Why do we experience seasons of spiritual drought within our souls? Why do we fail to live as Christ, full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Why do we sometimes feel so alone, desperate, and powerless? Why do we struggle so much with sin? And put our trust in the corrupt things of this world and not in God. Christ promised the Spirit. Why do we suffer with these things? There's two basic answers to these questions that we're going to be looking at. First part of that today and the next part tomorrow. I'm sorry, next Sunday. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 29 through 32. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Next Sunday, we're going to be looking at the, the empowerment or the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit. But before we can go into that, we have to first look at the, the foundation of, as believers, we have Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have God's Spirit with us. This first answer to these questions is grieving the Holy Spirit. What does, what does this mean to, to grieve the Holy Spirit? Something that we, a lot of times we've read this passage and we look at that, and what does that really mean? And we kind of, we go over it. And this is such a crucial, crucial aspect of walking in the fullness of who God has called us to be. The word grieve in this verse, from the Greek word uh, lupe, means to distress, a heaviness, <coughs> sorrow, to grieve. God has emotions. The heart of God is stirred and moved emotionally by His creation, by us. It was His love and passion for us that led Him to the cross. It was His joy and delight to make us His sons and daughters. It is His sadness and His grief that echoes through heaven and earth when humanity chooses separation from His love in exchange for darkness, destruction, and death and sin. It is anger towards sin and injustice, the demonic corruption of His creation that will have Christ returning to judge humankind and cleanse His creation from all evil. God does not have human-like emotions. Rather, we were given God-like emotions. We were made in His image. God's reflection was to be seen in the beautiful, distinctive nature of mankind in contrast to the rest of creation. So when we think about what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit, we must realize that and we must know how much God feels. We know how much we can feel from the highest moments of joy and, and peace and love to the fiercest moments of anger and hatred towards the brutalities and injustices of this world and to the most tragic, desperate moments of grief and loss and abandonment in our own lives. We experience all of these things. And if we experience these emotions and to the depth that we are capable of, being that we are a mere reflection of God, how much more does God grieve and feel these emotions? How much more does He love and desire for us to walk in the fullness and the beauty that He has designed and created for us? go back to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may grace, it may give grace to those who hear. That word uh, corrupting in Greek, I talked about it before we went through our Ephesians series, it basically means putrid. 
or rotten or corrupt. And the analogy, they would often use this word in reference to, say you have a bunch of apples and they just completely are rotten and worm infested and, and decomposing. That when we tear down and belittle other people rather than build them up to see themselves as God sees them with our words and with our actions, we grieve the Holy Spirit. He so longs to see us walk in the fullness of who he wants us to be. He so longs for us to see ourselves as he sees us and to take up the lives that he has designed and wants us to walk in. And when we speak these negative garbage about other people and about ourselves, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. We are slapping God in the face and we are saying we don't believe what you are wanting to do within us or within other people. When we claim and profess anything less about ourselves, about our families, about our communities, about this world, than what God has given and promised for us, we grieve His Holy Spirit. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. When we harbor bitterness, when we scheme and cause problems, when we slander and hold grudges, we grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who forgave us our sins, who led Christ to die on the cross. When we choose not to extend that same grace and extend that same forgiveness to other people, we step out of what God has called us to be. We step out of that blessing and it grieves His Holy Spirit. We are actually causing pain and sorrow to the heart of God, our Heavenly Father, who loves us with a passion that is beyond our fullest comprehension. Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is how we are to live and act as the body of Christ. His reflection to the world around us. God has dreams and visions for each and every one of us. God wants us all to experience the fullness of Him in our lives and to receive the best of everything that He has for us. He wants to guide us. He wants to deliver us. He wants to protect us. He wants to transform us. He wants to empower us. But if we ignore the voice of God within us, if we refuse to trust Him and allow His grace and power to work in our lives, if we push Him out of our lives and reject His hope, if we reject his joy and his peace, we become hollow, powerless imitations of what could have been. We're going to play a song here. And as I want just to listen to these words, as we see these words, and just take a moment. And that 
We allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Let's take a moment and surrender ourselves to him. To allow God to pour out his guidance, his restoration, his joy, and his peace. And most importantly, his presence back into our lives. We all grieve the Holy Spirit. I grieve the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would get to such a place that we'd be so walking with the presence of God that when we begin to step out of what He is calling us to, when we begin to do anything less than what He is calling us to, He has desires nothing but the best for us. That's why He desires to, to guide us. That's why He desires for us to walk in obedience because it's in that obedience. It's in that faith and listening to His Holy Spirit, listening to His voice that we step into the blessings. We step into the purposes that He has called us to. And today I want us to commit to repent and to step into that fullness. That we say, Holy Spirit, we are sorry that we have broken your heart. We are sorry that we have torn at the very heart of God by destroying ourselves and others. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit by, by disobeying His voice. And if we have done so, let's repent. Let's invite Him back into our lives. So let's just take a moment with God. Thank you, Jesus.